Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards, and with me is a whole shit ton of people, and together we make the Dad Shrink Your Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. I want to say this is the culmination of our day here at Little Arrow Resort in Townsend, Tennessee. If you've been following along, we've been releasing one of these every week for the past four weeks. This is now the fifth episode and the fifth installment of this. We were lucky enough to have a whole host of people from a bunch of great distilleries. So we had Kent and Jason from Old Tennessee. We had (laughs) Keener and Chris from Old Forge. We had Stanton from Postmodern. And then we had Billy from Short Mountain. Joining all of them, we are all sharing a bunch of microphones, but joining them is Kim Farmer Mitchell. And what is your Official title, I mean, you are the mother of the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. I know that, but what is the official title? Like mother of dragons, mother of whiskeys? I I officially am called the herder of the dumbasses. (laughs) That's what I like. But you, you work tirelessly for the trail. When did the trail officially become the trail? It Two was, years ago, Monday. I believe that was to me, but go right ahead. I don't believe that's the first time Chris has answered a question for you. <laughs> Thank God we have him. Yes. I don't know how you'd talk without him. I don't either. I really don't. <laughs> we we should mention, if you've been listening along, I gave him a, a whole bunch of hell during the uh, old Tennessee episode. But Chris and I go back now, and I consider him to be a very, very good friend, even though he ribs on me for having graduated from Kentucky. <laughs> And, and I guess I am kind of infiltrating this circle of Tennessee distilleries as a quote-unquote Kentuckian, but I am very happy to have called Tennessee my home since 2008. So, Chris, you can accept me. I've lived in Tennessee longer than I lived in you're, Kentucky. You're, you're here. You're here. I am. You're here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do you have to say about uh, him? You're here. You're here. You're here. That, that's it. That's it. No, we appreciate you having us all. But, Kim, what is your official title then at the end of the day? I manage the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. She is being so humble right now. Chris, this is when you have to answer for her. <laughs> so, so her title is, is uh, she is trail manager, but she's been, uh, she has been very vital in, in getting the trail going, uh, as has a lot of people. You know, Billy Coffin was one of the uh, founders of the whole, the guild, with the vision to have the trail, and uh, Kim has been, the one that has seriously herded us along for the past three years, uh, two of which with the trail being launched. Everything kind of started, if you think about it, Billy, you were the first president of the Tennessee Distillers Guild. That is true. Which now Chris has downgraded. Yeah. As you've dumbed down. We talked about this before. Thank you very much. You gave me a patch from the original uh, guild when you guys first started. And Mm -hmm. Chris doesn't have anything from the guild. There's no No. swag. No. There's nothing. There's nothing. We yeah. We're we're trying to get there, but that's you know it's a lot of lip service every meeting. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. I was kicked off the board as well. So I mean, it's really easy. I could. Do you want me to hook you up with some swag? I mean, you're wearing old Forge swag. You well, yeah, we we gave swag to the paying people. Here. No, you okay. gave old Forge swag to the it's all paying about people. money no, with this guy. <laughs> I didn't it's all see about any money. No I didn't quality. see any Tennessee no. Distillers Guild swag. We need to pull Carmen from Little Arrow in here and Cassie from Little Arrow in here. They can attest to the 
the Tennessee Whiskey Trail swag. If there's Tennessee Whiskey Trail swag, should I just assume that it's from the guild now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, go ahead. I was like, <laughs> that's what he wants you to think. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> the, the guilds kind of. I mean, is is the business part of it? I'm just you messing. Know, so with I was you. like, you know. No, we we get it. Um, but Billy, the the guild was here first before the trail. I mean, the trail Correct. technically was there, but the guild. Yeah. How did it actually come to be to make the guild? If you think about it, there were. What four distilleries a, a yeah, while ago, I and think now there's forty. Short Mount Short Mountain Distillery was, I think, the sixth distillery in Tennessee since Prohibition, and um, someone might fight me about that later, but that's what I'm going to stand by that. And uh, if it wasn't six, it was seven. Say the six man, like, six or seven. I don't know how the six man comes off the bench, like. Yeah, <laughs> right. He he came off the bench. Yeah, we're old number six or seven. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. When I started the distillery, like the first experience I had was just getting kicked around by distributors, just kicked around by liquor stores, just generally getting kicked around. I can't remember, but I knew something had to be done. And it was right when Dickel and Jack Daniels were fighting. And everyone was like, this is a horrible time to bring Tennessee distilleries together. Everybody hates each other. And I was like, really? And uh, All two of them. Yeah, all two of them. <laughs> I hate him and he hates me. And uh, yeah, they were, you know... Your listeners know about that fight, right? Have you ever talked about it? We don't talk about You might as well set it I'll straight. I'll summarize it. I'm going to get it wrong. So, And I, I can get sued over this over this later but basically this is what i thought was happening was just say allegedly allegedly brown foreman was having an argument with uh, diageo because diageo wanted to redefine the definition of tennessee whiskey and take away charcoal filtration and brown foreman who owns jack daniels was like no 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 you're trying to you know cheapen tennessee whiskey and what happened was it sort of worked into the favor of the Tennessee Distillers Guild because all of a sudden, Brown Foreman, Jack Daniels, and Dickel were like, oh, we're not the only two distilleries anymore. There's all these little distilleries, and they're piping in about this this rule that we're fighting over, and their voice is just as loud as ours you know, to the press, to, you know, to, uh, to the legislators, and... Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, Jack Daniels was interested in the guild. And then, you know, a, a week later, uh, Dickel was interested in the guild. And, and they wanted to join. And, and I think after that fight, all of a sudden, the, the value of the guild was elevated. Before that, we were just like a little ragtag group. We didn't even know. I thought maybe it would just be a craft distillers guild, which it is not anymore. No, no, I, I mean, no, it's fine. you have Dickel in there. You yeah. have you have Jack Daniels in there. Old, you have Bellmead. Everybody, you know, Nelsons. You yeah. have uh, Old Leapers Smoky, Fork, Old Smoky, yeah. H. Clark, Old uh, Forge. There's, there's everybody here. More distilleries than I know. There's, there's what do you say? There's thirty one. We have Chris? 30, we have thirty four members. Thirty one on the trail. And there's associate yeah. members now. How many associate members? Yeah, do but you have? associate members are revenue streams. Yeah, but they're important they have, people too. They are important, but they, but when it comes to leading the industry. <laughs> 
it's not a matter, you know, their, their input. So is that like a junior, know. the associate members, is that like having a junior membership at a golf course? So like you could only be a member mon- Monday through Thursday and then <laughs> you have to pay to be a member on the weekends? Kind of. The associate members are affiliates of the industry. They're not members of the industry. So they, that's they like sell. We, we would be a, an associate member. Right. I think we, we should give buy. you an, a, a, an honorary associate membership. I would love to show up at meetings and piss everybody off. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, I would. I would enjoy that. Five weeks get edited and put together. Yeah, like I could see how you perform. I think that's actually Chris's job, so I don't think. That's <laughs> <laughs> they, I, I'd be like, guys, I'm going to uh, put some microphones there, and and if you miss the meeting, I will put it up on the website. And is there an internal guild website? We don't have an intro, but no. But we could, we could, but we could do that. Let me like, tell you, a lot of the stuff that they say at the Guild begins with, now I'm going to say this, but this cannot leave this room. <laughs> and there's and like Billy's in the corner, Facebook Live in the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. So that's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. Well, And that F-bomb rule, we don't follow that F-bomb rule. Oh, no. It's, it's okay. I, if you guys want to on this one, awesome. everybody left. It was more, I was saying that, the little arrow... <laughs> You know, I, I don't want to be dropping F-bombs for Little Arrow, but if you guys want to say F in this one, I'll put an explicit on, yeah, on this good. podcast. But the um, but when it, com- when it comes down to the, the Distillers Guild and it comes down to Tennessee whiskey versus bourbon and, and that whole argument, I try telling people this, and, and it's interesting having the people such as yourself here today because... I don't care. Like, I, I think it's a, a sense of pride for the state of Tennessee. You, you can look at what the government technically calls a bourbon versus a whiskey. And if you think about it, it's, you know, a percentage of corn. It's a new charred white oak American barrel. There's all these regulations about the proof that you can put it into the barrel at and, and what that actual whiskey is going to end up being the same damn thing and and anybody who tries to use the charcoal filtering argument to say Tennessee whiskey isn't bourbon I just say okay we'll go up to Heaven Hill and go see Evan Williams and Heaven Hill and all that stuff that's out there there's not but for me it comes down to identifying things and and bourbon can be made in all 50 states bourbon is America's spirit has to be made in America in one of the 50 states Tennessee whiskey is the only whiskey that can only be made in one place. That is state law from Tennessee. You guys worked hard for that. But I think it's just a state pride thing. And the people that spend all this time talking about is Jack Daniels bourbon or whiskey. Who cares? Just drink. <laughs> like, does it? Re- what do you? What do you guys really think at the end of the day? And this isn't an official position. We are not a gotcha journalism show. We are just two jackasses that drink. <laughs> but I think people spend too much time caring about what other people are doing, and that's essentially the argument, like that these distilleries have. It's all. It's money. It's yeah. about money. And when you have that much money wrapped up in a product that is differentiated um i mean really it's i i also i was a battle but not between bourbon and tennessee whiskey the the battle is between scotch and 
and and bourbon you know and and that what's that brand i don't want to say it but uh they're trying to add a step so that maybe in somebody's mind somewhere tennessee whiskey is a little more complicated and therefore it is uh classified above uh bourbon and above scotch just because there's an extra step and well, that and that is codified and therefore it's a real thing it's solid and and this you know the price is will will stay high i was it, thinking it was more and not to cut you off but i was thinking it would be more of something where if you think about what is actually like jack is the number one whiskey that is in the world if you think about when you're I used to have to travel overseas a lot for work. You can't always find bourbon there. You could, you can find Beam, but you find Jack a lot of times. I will tell you as a Kentucky grad, I would get very upset when I'm at places and I'd say, hey, what bourbon do you have? And they'd say, we have Jack Daniels. <laughs> However, having lived in Tennessee as long as I have, the Jack Daniels single barrel select, barrel strength, is one of the best damn whiskeys I've ever had. And if you find some good ones... You have to be able to call a spade a spade. It's also why we do blind tasting when we drink. But when I would get upset when Jack Daniels was given, I mean, it was a Kentucky grad and it was a pride thing. Just as it's a pride thing for Tennessee to be able to make Tennessee whiskey. I know I'm spending too much time on this because I think it just ultimately comes down to like people are caring about it, but... There's not there's not that big of a debate in my mind. You were going to say something. No, first. I mean it's well you've I think we've I've approached it and thought about this and we a lot of our stuff the way we positioned ourselves since we launched the trail hasn't been about which is better. It's more about, you know, there's a McDonald's and a Burger King and there's one on every corner. So I think a friendly, you know, back and forth is very important for any brand. You want that Lowe's and Home Depot, you know, the you want that, um, yeah. and, and that's you what want competition. You want you competition. Want. You know, the Walgreens, CVS. I mean, you can list, you know, all of these things, but you know, we came in the game late. We being Tennessee whiskey, not late as in um, you know our product because Jack's been around a long time, but we as like Jimmy, uh, um, uh, Billy was saying, is we as an industry as, as an industry of, of distillers came in late. Then later, I mean, it you know, wasn't that people weren't distilling in Tennessee. It was that you guys were too busy drinking it to think to get together yeah, and band it. up. Well, yeah, yeah, we weren't together. But then the other thing is that you got to remember we were there. Everybody talks about prohibition being lifted eons ago. Tennessee was still under a manufacturer, a type of manufacturing prohibition through two thousand nine, and Tennessee hit prohibition earlier than the rest of the and, country. And from that time of the early prohibition to 2009, it was prohibited for anyone besides three people to make it. So that's a big difference. The KDA has been around since 1862 or something. The, the, the whiskey trail, the bourbon trail has been around since 99. So, you know, there's not been anything else besides that narrative. So there's a pride thing, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, it's. I know that we're proud to have Tennessee on our label. I know Billy is and Stanton and 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 everyone in the guild and uh, on the trail is. So it's something I think you know. Competition is good, and uh, it keeps us on our toes and it, ke- it keeps people something something to talk about. But let me say this: we are bigger <laughs> by far in volume. We are much 
more popular than Kentucky bourbon. And I mean, we're just, it's just a better product. Just so you know. In that same sentiment, <laughs> as you've been, as you've been saying that there was a little bit when you guys started the trail, there was, and, and I would say that we were a podcast at that time. We weren't invited to your opening. That's Kim's fault. I, I do want to mention that. Um, we were around then, but the uh, you, you invited Fred Minnick to come down from Kentucky, but you didn't invite your own podcast that's in your own state, president of the Tennessee Distillers Guild. But as, as, as you are... Billy's fault. <laughs> it wasn't Billy's fault. No, I'm glad. I'm just uh, valid point. But there was a little bit of competition. I mean, the the Kentucky Bourbon Trail took notice when you guys started the trail, yeah. and they were there was a little bit of uh, controversy when you guys were were putting the trail out. You kind of said, yeah, you know, I mean, we we were fortunate. We've we've had you know good. Uh, we've had a lot of good support from a legislative body and, and uh, Chairman uh, Ketron. Uh, Senator Ketron, you know, he, he he talked a little smack, and then there was a little smack talked, you know, throughout the whole event. But but it was in good nature, and you know what? We can sit there and and, and it it benefited both sides. They'll tell you the same thing. It, it was good. It was good press for them. Um, well, if it, it makes it feel any better, Kentucky legislators will say things like, you know, it's good to see people drinking Kentucky bourbon, and uh, I think there was one where. The legislator said something. It was Widow Jane that was up there. And he's like, everybody needs to be drinking Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> and it's like, hey, it's a source product that isn't even done in Kentucky. In Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> so they can't even understand what they, they have themselves. Uh, yeah. And, and, and like I said, man, it, it's good to have the competition. And and we still stand behind, you know, our numbers. Um, but we're thankful that they're there. Um, you know, they, they they've blazed a path and quite honestly we can see some of the mistakes they've made and, and hopefully not make the same ones you know one thing i should mention is i don't see us all drinking enough right now <laughs> should we like pass around something for uh for those of you or uh, what took you so long yeah, yeah. <laughs> here go with the russells huh here we'll go with, uh we're gonna go with the russells reserve go with the the drank more turkey it is the father's day pick either that or we I also have the butcher bourbon here from because we just did the old Tennessee. So whatever you guys want. He is drinking right from the bottle, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's, that's that's what we do. This is oh, communion. They're right all doing it. <laughs> well, it won't be going in past these lips. Thanks, Howard. Cosa. That's not the worst thing. I promise uh -huh. you. Than any of us. Uh -huh. I'm you not know that kissing everyone in this circle. You know, alcohol is a disinfectant, especially when it's 110 proof. Yeah. Well, yeah. Come on, Billy. Kiss Chris. <laughs> How much? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, seriously. Like, I mean, are we taking bids? Because I'm in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we could do something here for what charity, is what the hell is he doing? Is that Jim? And there's cups behind you. It, it's okay. Cassie, you could do it. Drink out of the bottle, Cassie. Cassie, you could do Quit it. Quit being a pansy. Oh my God. They're all doing it. Billy, if you don't do it, you have to do it. Do it. I'll do it like Herpes. this. Herpes. Do it, Billy. <laughs> oh, God. Man, so is Billy. What the hell, man? Well, 
Uh, it's all good. Terrible. Thank you. I wish Cam. I took a video of all you doing this though. That would have been great. <laughs> I, I really. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to go around and do it again. <laughs> this is obviously the last podcast of the day because this one is like very chaotic. <laughs> very organized and think. I understood what was the the themes were, but this uh, this this is, is, is like, more fun. This, this is. is this is very, yeah, this is crazy. He is, isn't he? He kind of is. It's not crazy as much as this is. This allows people to, to lift the hood up and actually see everybody kind of Debauchery. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> Debauchery. We want it to be fun. We we want the, the informative stuff, but we also. Friday, Friday at Grains and Grits. <laughs> kind of the same. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. And when we come back, Kim, Kim, we're talking about that. We're, we're going to come back. Oh and, uh, yeah, let's do talk about grains and grits. I'm the poster boy. So he is. Are you really? Well, Emphasis I was. on boy. Well, Emphasis on boy, we, child. Well, no. So Billy, the the theme here is we were really just going to talk about the the guild, the advent of the trail. What problems Tennessee distilleries face, opposed to you know a lot of the people that we talk to. If you, we have great conversations with like H. Clark and Leapers Fork in in the the Middle Tennessee area. And it's funny because they're like, hey, we have a big problem with storage. And a lot of the stuff that I'm talking to you on, and, and I talk to everybody here, if you look at Old Forge or you look at not everybody has a 400-acre farm and is spoiled, but yeah. you have some people... <laughs> you, you have, what is this? Oh, I'm that's the, the Monka Trump of the guild. <laughs> but, yeah! But you have people that are saying, like, we, we either have to do deals with other distilleries in the guild to actually warehouse our product, or they're running into, like, Leaper's Fork. It's great. Lee's doing great things at Leaper's Fork, but he's like, I make this whiskey, and I have to then figure out what to do with it. And then I'm paying extra. I'm, I'm getting taxed for the whiskey that I made. I'm getting paying to to house my whiskey someplace i have to build a rickhouse well these are the prices that people pay for putting their distilleries in you know high price areas oh. i put my distillery in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and i have plenty of space but he also i mean he's lucky he has a 40 acre farm it's not 400 yeah. he's missing yeah. a zero but he's building a rickhouse this <laughs> summer so i find it fascinating and that's kind of what the the purpose of this one was to kind of give you the thesis behind it i find it fascinating to talk to you guys it's great to have a conversation with all these people here and i was amazed that like 60 70 people came out to actually watch us do podcasts today but the day-to-day -day, once you get past the veneer of this is my product i have a gin i have a bourbon i have postmodern i have every whiskey known to man and spirit and um, you guys are coming up with awesome stuff and have a bunch of SKUs. And then you have Chris, who has about 800 flavored. He didn't even know the flavor that he served everyone today. No. I asked him what it was. He's like, I don't know. I've never had it before. Billy, he, he's lying. He's lying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. okay. it comes down to, like, what are the things? Okay, maybe he's not. I th I'm going to say it was <laughs> maybe he's not. watermelon mixed with. Are you talking about the stuff that, that you put in the, the pre-made? I don't know what it was. He yeah. doesn't know what it was. What was it? It was a moonshine oh. sangria, but what flavor moonshine was it? Yeah, Billy. Oh. Didn't I tell you that? Very 
It was blackberry, peach mixed together. Blackberry and peach moonshines mixed together. And can I this just... This like a cobbler. Can I just take a second? I got to tell you something. Tatum. Can I tell you something real quick, though? Older women love Keener. <laughs> like... <laughs> where's Brad? They, where's Brad? I thought there was older women make better lovers. No, <laughs> older women. I I gave Keeter just a little bit of shit, and I had like four m- women right over there that were like, "Don't you make fun of him?" Not our Keener. He he is. Uh, they. <laughs> the stories I could tell you about older women in Keener. He's uh, his new nickname is Catnip. Because he just goes after the cougars. <laughs> you are catnip for cougars, Keenan. <laughs> oh, catnip for cougars. Worse. <laughs> Billy's like, I'm just taking my name off of this podcast. No, no. I, I'm not, no, I'm not this is going in an interesting direction. I'm okay with it now. <laughs> <laughs> but I find it interesting the things that you you guys have to think of day after day, and it wasn't necessarily the right forum to have that conversation with all these people around. But if you were, you know, if we come out to you and do a longer podcast or you sit down in Nashville, those are the type of things that we like to get into. It's like off of the surface, there's a bunch of things the guild has to worry about. There's a bunch of things the trail has to worry about. What makes everybody tick? What, what's your driving force behind stuff? Like, you know, are you thinking about switching over a lot of the people that are switching over from, sourced whiskey to their own stuff which even includes some of the people here you guys have a source whiskey you're you're making that move over there's some distilleries that are very close to home in the guild like bellmead you know nelson's is getting to that point where nelson's is going to make that switch over mgp was the driving force beside bellmead Mm -hmm. so you know bardstown bourbon company and and bellmead have a, a relationship when the demand is so high, I think they have a distribution that has far exceeded what they thought it could have been. And now they have to think about other stuff like, oh, yeah, we were going to start doing stuff, but we need to get more whiskey, too. So I find it interesting. And I'm going to stop rambling because nobody wants to hear me talk. But I find it interesting the things that you guys have to think about all the time that the public doesn't always get to see. Right. So, like, what what's the biggest thing? Billy, let's start with you. What's the biggest thing that kind of worries you, and what's the biggest thing that you're happy about? Um, like, what did you do really well, and then what's one thing that just kills think, you to work on? I mean, my, my distillery is an anomaly because we we did we I came out so early with it that there was no predecessor before me that I could sort of base. Uh, what I was doing on, I just sort Dude, of. Dude, that's a Corvette pace car. Yeah. That's Sorry. If I were a car, that that would be me going up the hill. <laughs> Whatever you yeah. keep talking, you go. Keep talking. So, uh, so the Yaris of the group over there. So, I didn't even know when I was building my distillery that that the tourism and uh, that we could even sell bottles from the distillery. I wasn't even sure if that was possible and now the whole structure of of having a distillery in Tennessee is that your location is really important and uh, so a lot of what I am worried about is uh, just bringing people 
to our distillery. So, you know, these guys, you know, talk about their mil, you know, they've got a million people through their front door every year. And I don't think a million people have ever even been to Cannon County, you know, in its entire history. And, uh, and so we work really hard to bring people to the distillery. So we've built a restaurant, we have all sorts of crazy events, and we're judged for it too, you know. So you build a restaurant and, you know, that sounds great, but then, you know, there's all sorts of problems, you know, on top of that. And, you know, I, I'm sure Kim will tell you how hard it is to put on an event. I'm just happy to exist, you know, at the end of the day. And I'm hoping, um, you know, through uh, podcasts like this that eventually people will realize you know what excellent things we're doing on short mountain we won't have that problem anymore and we'll you know we'll have to turn away people because uh we don't have enough whiskey to drink you have to get that bed and breakfast going hey i'm happy too. i'm happy to uh to talk to little arrow and they can uh, come and build some <laughs> tiny homes on my farm you could do like a little arrow east or little arrow west we could Sorry. do middle. yeah middle arrow middle arrow yes yeah. little arrow middle arrow hey I'll, let me tell you this if we have thousands of arrowheads on our property like arrowheads galore every t we're uh plowing up the field with hemp now for hemp and we found hundreds of hundreds hundreds yeah yeah, it's amazing. So is it is it for you, is that one of those things, though, because you are doing hemp and you are using the grounds for, for other things, the fact that you probably don't get... So if you think about, like, what Tatum has at Old Forge or what the folks even in Nashville have, all yeah. the Nashville distilleries, they're going to get a lot more revenue from tours. Right. And, is and that the bottles that they sell out of their store. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you find it then harder? So you're you have to think about what other things you can do on the land to kind of diversify revenue. Is it that the or, way you're thinking, or, or? just try and b blow our horn loud enough so eventually that we get enough people coming to Cannon County to experience what we have? Do you being, get out being so great? And making such great products and get, giving such a great experience that people are just, you know, dying to come and, and making the trip. That makes sense. Do you find yourself going out to a lot of the, because a lot of the, the whiskey fests, if you think about what Tennessee has, there's a ton of whiskey fests that are kind of the same thing. It's everybody there with a booth. Yeah, do you I don't like those. You don't? I mean, I like the guild ones that we do and... The, but I think a lot of them are, yeah, they're sort of distributor-funded, and they're just sort of ways to... They, they don't support local products, and they don't support lo local manufacturers. There's there's 31 people in the guild. There's over 40 dis Tennessee distilleries right now. There's no reason anyone in Tennessee should be drinking anything made outside of Tennessee. I agree. Now, <laughs> or in any other state. No, I'm just, you know. I, I'm sorry I brought I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, no, but no, to, to add to Billy's point, though, is what he's talking about. You know, these festivals, just a few years ago, we were paying $500 to $1,500 to attend. And so that's something that, like he just mentioned, the Guild stuff, we, we, we stood up and said, wait a minute, that's enough. We bring something to the table. You need to pay us to be there. 
what's the benefit for us being there? Are you going to take care of lodging? Can you tell them that for yeah. us? Because nobody pays us <laughs> to go. But it's tough. But no. But that's what I mean. That's his point, though. That's exactly his point. Is that we've we've been able to in Tennessee flip the script because of our numbers, if you will, um, uh, sheer quantity of people. We put on a show, too. I mean, yeah. you know, if you get the Tennessee Distillers Guild showing up at event, you have some clout. You're going to have some guaranteed entertainment. You know, every table is a story. Every table. Which is the point of this podcast, because everybody's going to find you all entertaining. Yeah. After, yeah, well, uh, but yeah, for it's the wrong reasons. One of the things that I always found interesting with those whiskey events, though, is I'm like, why are you paying to be there? Because you're already giving product away. So not only are you paying for your table, and if they charge you 500 bucks, or some even charge 2,500 bucks. So if you're paying for your table, but then you're giving away $500 worth of product while you're there, that yeah. is more of a hit right. for all of you all. But sorry, you were well, going to say something. No, I have a question slash statement outside. Introduce of, yourself to everyone. Um, I am Cassie Simfer. I do the marketing for Little Arrow. Great resort, <laughs> by the way. I just <laughs> should mention. But Thank awesome. you. Well, I have a, a question or a statement for like outside of Tennessee, specifically for whiskey. Like, what are your other competitors? And I would think that it would be more international for whiskey and bourbon outside of Tennessee. Like, what other states have whiskey or bourbon truly besides like Ireland or Scotland? Like, I just think that. Japanese is a big one now. Exactly. And, and a lot of. But the in the US, I would think that. In the South, it's truly whiskey strong. I mean, if you go to Chicago or New York City or California, like what other whiskey are people going to drink in the U.S. besides from Tennessee? Um, Ken, you go ahead and go. Or from Kentucky. You know, when we first got in this business about five or six years ago, we were the 14th distillery in the state. And as, as we've talked today, there are, I think there are 40, 41, maybe another one or two in the works right now. And uh, the, our state is not unusual, our state is normal. 10 years ago, there were roughly 200 distilleries in the United States. Today, there are over 2,000 distilleries in the United States. There's still the same number of linear foot, feet on the shelf in the liquor stores. Yep. And there's still, there are more and more people drinking whiskey because it's a, you know, it's an interesting idea now. You have a lot more opportunities than just the, the different bourbons coming out of Kentucky and Tennessee whiskey and a few other products from around the country. But, but that enormous growth is both an opportunity and a hurdle for us to overcome because we all fight for the same shelf space and we all fight for the same person, you know, to try our product and, it's great that the industry is growing, but in on the other hand, the, the growth in the number of suppliers is enormous. There are over 100 distilleries in California. There are over 100 distilleries in Washington. There are over 100 distilleries in New York. Those three states alone have more distilleries than the entire United States did 10 years ago. And to, to make matters worse, not to jump in, I'd rather people hear from them, but the, the rise of NDPs, and that's a non-distilling producer, the rise of NDPs in the industry, you know, a lot of these guys really just have to worry about their stuff. You know, they might have to worry about what they're doing and what people like them are doing. I think I'm in a unique position 
doing the podcast that I have to pay attention to a lot of the stuff coming out and you have to read the labels because you don't know how much stuff is going to come from Tullahoma or how much stuff is going to come from Lawrenceburg, Indiana and MGP and how much stuff is coming from Bardstown Bourbon Company, Tennessee Distilling Company, all the different contract distilleries that are out there. So you might just have somebody that says, you know what, I have a great idea. We're going to start a distillery. So it might be the same product five different times, and they're all fighting for shelf space on the same shelf, to Ken's point. Well, and to your point, though, let me interrupt you there, because it's a, it's a good spot, because it's a unique, there's a different unique problems, whether it's Billy, the Billy model or even the old Forge model. But to your point about that shelf space, what we run into as distillers is we choose to put X amount of dollars into our distillery. Well, that only leaves Y amount of dollars to market it. And so these other guys, it's the, it's the reverse of that. They've got X amount of dollars, large X amount of dollars to market it, and it's, they don't have to worry about the Y dollar of producing it. And so it's opportunities like this where we get to educate people about, hey, you know, Billy makes everything on site. Hey, you know, Old Forge, we, we make some and we, you know, we, we purchase some. The bottom line in our guild and our state, what we keep pushing for is be honest about it. You know, I mean, just be honest about it. And, and I, I don't think that that's something that's always been that way, regardless of the state, whether it's New York, California, Kentucky, or whatever. There's not always been that integrity and honesty as far as where you're getting it, you know. And I think it's important to know the big difference, you know, between the two. And to go back to something about 10 minutes ago with the, the whiskey festivals, I will tell you, Zeke and I did Whiskey Warmer in Franklin, Tennessee at West Haven. And we're actually doing another event where we want to do this. And we've already reached out to Pennington and we're going to do something with them. But we did a pick with Leaper's Fork. So one of the big things is we said we're going to be doing a whiskey event rather than have somebody do a pick of, yes, and I know, you know, Lee's in the process of putting out his own, own stuff. We said we want to do a pick of Colonel Hunter's. We just wanted to pick a local distillery. Even though there were going to be distilleries there from Kentucky, and let's pick a local distillery, partner with them. So we're going to partner with Jeff with one in the fall and, and do a pick of Pennington. It'll probably end up being their Davidson Sour Mash. But we did a pick of Colonel Hunters with Leaper's Fork. Anytime we can do something local, that is very important to us. All crap giving aside, Chris, that, yeah, that you and yeah. I give each... I, I think I'm very, very proud to live in Tennessee. I'm very proud to have graduated from Kentucky, but those two are not at odds with each other. It's no. There are plenty of things that you can you could be very, very proud for Tennessee for their whiskey, and you could be very, very proud of, of Kentucky bourbon. And I, I like what you said. It is different flavors. You know, do you like McDonald's? Do you like Burger King? Not Not going back to that conversation, yeah. but... People have a tremendous opportunity when they're doing local events of finding the local places that are there. And I think that's a great message that you said. Now, if I could tell people that listen to this podcast, you're doing a dinner, find a local distillery, get them involved. I'm sure they would love to be involved and will come down and even show you a cocktail that's the best thing to have on the menu. They can have something neat, like get the distillers out there, have people sit down and actually talk to them, learn about whiskey. I think there's a tremendous amount of state pride in Tennessee where, and, and y'all are very, very accommodating, even to me that just happens to have a microphone. You guys want to go out there and educate people about your product, which is awesome. 
Like, I can't thank you enough. It's funny. I'll say this. You go to, you go to dinner with a distributor, and they only drink whatever's in their book. You go out with a group of us, and we're like, if we're in Denver, what's local? Yeah. We, we, we buy what's local. Are we in Chicago? Well, what's local? Am I going to get Caval? In Lexington, am I in Lexington? You know, what am I going to get? We're going to drink local. You know. Now, Kent, Kent makes sure that he buys a, shots for everybody for his own product. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but is his product there? I mean, it depends on where it is, right? Absolutely. He's, he's yeah. really... Yeah. He's but the really group you see in the guild, we are about being local. Wherever we're at, we want to be local. Support local. If you can see, hear anything here, you know, get anything out of this, it's support local, you know. And Stanton's the same thing, you know. I mean, he's... He, Stanton with thoughts. the best radio voice has been very quiet. No, oh. Well, it's been built... It's been Billy's show so far. <laughs> I, I think I think if you told Billy okay. if I think if you told Billy this podcast was centered around him, he'd be very pissed off because <laughs> it didn't really go where he thought it would. Billy, but it's been interesting. I thought back to Billy. I would be uh, more inebriated by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody give hold on, hold on. That's because you won't. But I am not drinking out of any. Your lips bottles. will not touch hold this on. bottle. <laughs> My they lips won't touch this bottle. Hold on. No, no. Uh, you I, all, you all, talk to Billy for a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is oh this, God, it's still running. It is still right. running. Still okay. running. Still running. So these these podcast guys, they have a lot of power. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of scary. Man, I don't I don't know. Know. Hey, what's up, man? You don't have any power. <laughs> <laughs> he can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they, man. Can make or, they can make and break you. <laughs> um, I'll tell you one thing. I brought five bottles of bourbon to this event, and that's all that's left. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a non-tasting event. <laughs> <laughs> non-tasting <laughs> event. <laughs> yeah. So, that's uh, good. Well, I'm glad I brought all those bottles. Man, John is over here. It's bartender John. I'm very excited to, uh, you know, drink your own whiskey. Yeah, drink my own whiskey. <laughs> oh no! Look at this. Now, now I'm getting flashbacks. That's to four college. fingers for Billy's there. <laughs> Cheers! Cheers! Nobody else is drinking with you. Does everyone else want to drink out of the the bottle? It's the way to do it. Oh yeah, you can do it. I just want the people at home to know that. He's making everyone drink out of my bottle to torture me, <laughs> and they're all doing it. I'm they're gonna all lick the side of the bottle. They're all licking. I'm gonna lick the side. They're of all the licking bottle. my bottle now. <laughs> oh my god! Keener needs a moment. Keener. I'm traumatized. I am traumatized. Keener needs a moment. No, no, not, no. not the first one. The no, second one. No. You'll be my poster boy. Uh, Cassie, can you top that? Now. I don't know if I can do that. It's going to skip. Who's this the is poster gonna be boy now? <laughs> All right. Get it, get it, get it. <laughs> yeah, right. please. That would be a nice ad, actually, for us. That's awesome. I'm always for hire. There. <laughs> Marketing purposes only. <laughs> Who needs a glass at oh. Short Mountain Distillery? That's another oh. That is yeah, that is go. the poster. Six or seven. 
That is the if if you want to find a way to people get, to get people to Cannon County. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Save money. <laughs> On Did you glass hire work. this guy to come in? No. Okay. Oh. oh wow. I do love your shirt. I d- wow. All right, a guy walked in. You missed He's the whole wearing day? a Kentucky bourbon shirt. <laughs> what does your shirt say? It says Kentucky bourbon. bourbon. Now, it's when are Kentucky. you going to make... We need shirts That's a cloud, like that, right? say Tennessee and then... Kim, talk about our Just like the state. I... Kim, you and I should talk because I have some good ideas for swag. Hey, look. You know what? For Tennessee Whiskey Trail swag. <laughs> let's sit I, down let's sit down and talk about it. I will say that right now Threads is doing our all of our merch and they're doing a great job, but that is a great shirt. Well, so we I don't have, to, have I, I don't have money to actually do it, but I, well, no, I I'll send you whatever you want. But I'll tell you <laughs> no, I'm saying I don't have money to actually produce it for you. No, but just I tell say, me what you want and we'll do it. Oh, it's more for you, yeah. 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 No, it's it's all about oh, no. you. John will get paid. No. <laughs> you and Billy. It's no. all about you too. <laughs> we need a shirt that is the state of Tennessee that says whiskey, just like that. She did a great. We do have we have some of these. I'm sure. Our second grains and grits. We did a shirt uh, that had the state of Tennessee on the back, and she had all the names of the distilleries fit oh, into the to the state. That was a really good one. So that would be good to see. So tell us a little bit, and and maybe this is good for Kim to to jump in because she hasn't talked enough on this. Tell tell us a little bit about grains and grits fest. That is in Townsend, uh, where we are right now at Little Arrow Resort. Tell everybody what Grains and Grits is and, and what's that that's all about. Okay. Well, we decided about four years ago that we wanted to try to do something to really um, showcase what was going on in Tennessee and the craft spirit world. And I've been friends with Chris for many years. And so we sat down, we started talking about this. And um, so we decided to do a, a festival up here in Townsend, Tennessee, which is right outside of the Smoky Mountains, which has a large history, a great history about moonshine and and spirit making. So we, um, we got together and we just really wanted to have a great festival that really talked about the craft distilling and what is involved in that. So what we did is we created a festival that you get to come to and you get to actually meet the distillers. You get to talk to the distillers. One thing that we're really prideful about is Jeff Arnett from Jack Daniels Master Distiller shows up every year. So you have your chance to meet Jeff Arnett and talk to him. And then you have even a a more exciting adventure is that you get to meet Keener and talk to him and you get the to catnip meet catnip for cougars. Yeah. And you get to That's meet Stanton and you get to meet Billy. So you get to meet all these great distillers that are really pushing out some incredible spirits throughout the state of Tennessee. And you know, when you think about Kentucky bourbon, that's what it is. It's bourbon. And bourbon is great and whiskey is great, but these guys are pushing out vodka and gin and just incredible spirits that is just, I mean, just mind-blowing. I would say what you brought up is a very, very good point. A lot of the stuff that's on the, the Kentucky bourbon trail, a lot of it is just bourbon. Mm-hmm. You might get some finished whiskey. You might get some other stuff that, that comes out. But a lot of the stuff that comes out on the the Tennessee whiskey trail, there are distilleries that are doing other products. There's a vodka. There's a gin. There's a barrel-aged gin. There's rum. A, a rum. There's moonshine. A, yeah. It's crazy how much more diverse, I think. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the distillers... Again, 
distillers just have to worry about bourbon. I think, and, and this is more for the two distillers over there, um, as well as Stanton and, and Billy, but um, when you're switching a lot of times, so if you think about it, you have to run the still at a certain spirit. You might have a certain mash. You might have a, um, a certain thing that you're actually putting out. And I, I had this conversation, admittedly, too, also with Bardstown Bourbon Company, Yes, that's out of Kentucky, but they're running a bunch of different things at different times, and they're having to clean the still out. Is that tough for you guys in the, the way that when you're making your your stuff, are you sitting there saying, okay, we're going to run gin for a week and then switch over to moonshine for a week, and then we're going to run you – know, is that more complicated? How do you actually work all that out? That's, that's something I would really think of. If you know you're a place like Old Forge, there's a million people that are going to step foot in the door all the time. How do you know what to put out and when? Is it just like, hey, we need some more moonshine? We need to go no, run well, on that? Or is it planned? Like, is there a calendar? Ish. <laughs> you know, to kind of harken back to our previous conversation two or three weeks ago. Four um, or five weeks, whatever Yeah, what, it is. whatever the hell. Kim's throwing shoes at yeah. you now. <laughs> She's like, shut up, Shanton. Um, no, there's... Like there's <laughs> I plead the fifth. The fifth I plead of the fifth. plead the fifth of whiskey. You know, at, at the beginning, it was, man, just trying to keep up. Like, just really wheeling and dealing. And probably the, after the past three years, you know, we started tracking that. You know, and we could predict, okay, I'm going to need to blend X amount of totes 250 gallon batches of coffee this year and how many what percentage of that is going to go to a 50 ml bottle what percentage of that is going to go to a 750 ml so yeah we're, we're getting better at that um but you were gosh you asked something a little while ago that i kind of wanted to pipe up but chris was man he was killing it he sounded so good man i didn't want to interrupt him but that's kind of the crux that I think I can probably speak for Jason too, you know, at, at our size is some of those hurdles, you know, that we got to, how, how do we juggle how much R&D do we want to do versus how much we got to just keep up with the damn Joneses, you know. That makes sense. That's tough with, you know, if you've got two distillers, you know, that's. Now, I know some places in Middle Tennessee that will, um, like they're going to have a, a pretty set schedule, but then two weeks out of the year, they're just going to have an, an experimental. So they know that like, all right, from February 15th to January 31st, it is a very set schedule. But from February 1st to February 14th, we are just going to play around. And if we want to do different mash bills, we want to do all sorts of stuff that's in there and just see what sticks and then have those in our tasting room and use that as R&D to figure out what else we're doing moving forward. Do you guys play around at with that at all? I mean, I, I, I think postmodern probably does more than anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. And we always keep, um, I mean, our production schedule is pretty regimented. Um, my partner, Ron. It has to be tougher for you all the with. the majority of the production side. And he came from a, a, a he was a scientist. He would, that's, he did science in a corporate setting for Siemens and so he he has a very well organized mind and and so he breaks it down 
space. Very regimented on that. But what he what we also do is, you know, we keep a two liter lab still, and you know, we're doing R and D um, um, pretty much seven days a week. Um, there's something new going in that two liter lab still. Um, and he'll run multiple distillations in a day. And you know, while he's bottling, he may be working on the fifth iteration of an Amari um, or something of that nature. And so, you know, it's um, but we we don't get a million people across the front door, so it's a little you know, there's some differences there. Um, we also work seven days a week. Keener's been very, uh, you know, he won't work those sixth and seventh days each week. He, I mean, he uh, as a fireman, anything we, over uh, sixty-five degrees Fahrenheit, we, and I'm yeah, my ass is at home. Yeah, he, he he knocks off every day by five p.m. Well, day. you know, Chris told me he tries to keep that. He tries to keep that fireman schedule. Five comes yeah, once yeah, a day yeah. for me, brother. Where yeah. he does that, he does that twenty-four hours on, forty-eight hours <laughs> off. He's been trying to do that. Yeah. A lot more. It's, it's difficult to make a distillery run that way on that schedule. <laughs> I, I know, I know. So I think at the end of the day, what are you actually doing when you transition from product to product? Because you have to clean, do you clean out the still or is it the fact that it's moonshines? And this is not a, a question that I'm giving you guys shit at all. I'm, a lot of the stuff, the mash bills for a moonshine might be similar to the mash bill that you'd have for a whiskey. So technically, do you really have to clean that stuff out or can you use the same mash as you go through? I mean, I don't know about you guys. We, we clean the steel out every day when we're finished. So it's, is it a sour mash or a sweet mash? Both. Both. Yeah, it depends on what we're running that day. I mean, uh, we may run something one month and something completely different for a whole other month. Uh, as far as our gins go, we've got a completely different steel, you know, that we'll use for that. So do you use like a column still for the gin? The gin, we do. That makes uh, sense. We use a pot still for our whiskeys, our bourbons, uh, our rums. We'll run through the pot still. We'll turn around and run that back through the column still. So logistically, though, that has to be tough because you actually have to plan all that stuff out a lot, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of times we do. A lot of times it just comes up, you know, we, we try to keep so many cases of different things around. Uh, if everything's stocked up, we're, we're making bourbon for this month, we're making whiskey for this month, we're making rum. You know, something pops up, you know, we, we, we try to, to fit it in. You know, I, I guess it's the same with everybody. Uh, the longer we've been open, the more records and reports we have to go back and, and look at to see what's selling how much did we grow how much more did this sell this year versus this year and you know to try to predict what we actually need hold on one second they're they're fine let them play basketball yeah let them play basketball don't so much. says the guy from kentucky i love it <laughs> Yeah. Drop I it. Love it. I love basketball. Hey, it's beautiful. What can, was, can he let it hit the ground? What was uh? But it's in the sand. Who was it that said it? Let them eat cake. Let them play basketball. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. Basketball, and basketball and bourbon and horse racing. <laughs> any any of those, thought. I'm good. That's it. Then. <laughs> well, you know, I have a I have a friend from Scotland. I have a friend from Scotland, and when Scotland filed the referendum to leave my my best man was actually he's from scotland and he said hell we can't get independence we can't export 
golf and scotch like as the only thing and run a country. So what? You do it one time? No, you do it eighteen fucking times. God. That was awesome. Oh, the best, man. When you have a very good <laughs> Scottish accent. It's the, it's, the, it's the fucking red hair, man. <laughs> See, or made or whatever. Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. You got it. The problem is I go to Ireland too much over Scotland. I've been to Scotland a couple times, but I think it's about time we sit here and talk about Irish whiskey. And we don't talk about Scotland. He's the only one that can speak to that. All that, <laughs> all that stuff, shite. 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 All that shite. I, I remember the Colleen. Were... Yeah. Uh, you know Colleen from uh, Kentucky Bourbon Trail up there. She used to be with Minshawn Yu, and her. Uh, she said she had a saying about Scotch. Fuck Scotch. That's... <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people that say that yeah. about vodka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to any of you yeah. that make it. So we we, uh, we did a class up there at uh, in Louisville, and um, it was uh, me and Kent and a couple other guys from from the guild. Now, oh, hold on, Be- Chris, are you about to tell a story? As the president of the Tennessee Distillers Guild, with as much shit as you've been giving John, that you went to Kentucky to take classes. Yes, I like this. To learn to yes. keep talking, Stan. Yes. Stan, yeah. always the instigator, the quiet instigator. We did. We went there to take classes. And, uh, Got to know what the animal's doing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Know, know what not to do. You know what, what the animal's doing? <laughs> and so um, Jimmy was one of the teachers, and all the teacher, each each teacher has, uh, they would give you their notes beforehand, and it would be in a three-ring binder, you know, several different uh, dividers uh, through and everybody would have it. And then, uh, so we come up to Jimmy's turn and we open up the section for Jimmy and it's white page after white page after white page. And talking to Colleen afterwards, I was like, hey, did we get Jimmy's notes? I mean, he sat up there and talked for two hours and it was phenomenal. I was like, do we get his notes? She goes, no, um, he said that he's not giving us any fucking notes is what he said. <laughs> he said, I'm just gonna talk a little bit. <laughs> so. I, I love um, any time I get to go up there and spend some time with the Russells just because of all of them are, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love Russell's Reserve so much and why we, we did our Father's Day pick after Ru- Just the whole Russell family is a no-nonsense. I'll, I'll tell you right now, one of the best interviews we had on our show before we sat down with all of you was Bruce Russell. <laughs> Naturally. Um, <laughs> Bruce Russell was an amazing interview, and he was very candid uh, and just very an open book. And, uh, you know, That's just cool. talking about how, uh, you know, Jimmy would do things like back, back when they got bought out and... You know, these companies would come in and they'd be like, so when you distill, do you do X amount of stuff here or X amount of stuff there? And Jimmy's like, I don't know. I distill, I put it in the barrel. <laughs> you know, like, he's like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's awesome. But just incredible. And, and I think there is a big, you know, when you're looking at Kentucky, you have that Russell's family, you have the... Or you have the Russell family in Kentucky. You have the Beam family, and a lot of that stuff comes down. A lot of that stuff comes down from generation to generation, but you're losing a lot of those people that were the old guard that just had all that information. And 
I think it's it's prime if you think about Kentucky and Tennessee and you know you talk about being late to the game. I think a lot of the people in Tennessee don't have that same lineage where it almost used to be that elite you know it's the Russell family it's the you know yeah. you have Booker you had yeah. you still have Fred and Freddie but you you don't have um, all the families that you used to have you don't have all those names like you used to have and people are getting bought out by other people and there's there's I, I mean I think that's got to be something interesting for for Tennessee as well, where you have some of the distilleries that end up getting bought out by those bigger conglomerates, by Diageo and Constellation, and there is now, you might have those people there from a marketing standpoint, but you don't actually have them there from a distilling standpoint, and yeah. the knowledge being passed you know, so so if you think of distillers such as yourselves, you don't have that knowledge being passed down like it used to. Um, There's a reverence for the bourbon industry in Kentucky that is is admirable, and and I, I think all of us would say that. And they, you know, we we recognize the fact that you know they've been doing this for a long time jack daniels has been doing this for a long time and dickel has been doing this for a long time but the rest of us are new and we're creating that because the the camaraderie in this industry is what that was one of the most eye-opening things to me when when we first started you know i i had an interest in this industry i love business i love manufacturing it's what i've done for 35 years and I've never been in an industry, though, where I go talk to people that are going to be my competitors that were as open as they were in this industry. And, and uh, you know, we went to, uh, you know, a couple of the distilleries, and Billy was one of the first places we went to. And the, the first thing Billy said was, I, I really don't have any time to talk to you. And, like, <laughs> two and a half hours later, we're still talking, you know. And and, and it was it was very good. And... and you know, you still have to uh, pay that invoice that I sent you. <laughs> oh man, for those two hours. Oh, the, the checks in the mail. Uh, I, I promise. <laughs> you know, but it's a it's a unique industry in well, well unique for me in that that there's so much camaraderie from from um, company to company because we all have a goal that we want to make a good product, but we also and I don't really want to use the word enemy, but basically we have a common enemy because we're so heavily regulated that we need to work together to be able to get our product to market without getting um, basically restricted and taxed out of business. And in Tennessee especially, we've, where there's a lot of, um, there have been a lot of hurdles to overcome. And, you know, until 10 years ago, there were th three distilleries, like we talked about earlier, and they weren't allowing any more. And then we've had a very receptive legislature, and we've been able to work together as a group to make a lot of headway. And, and I think that's a lot of what's made the guild so so successful is that we've 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 made a lot of headway and been, been able to reduce the tax burden, reduce the regulation burden, and get ourselves into the market without having to to jump through so many hoops. Well, don't tell Carmen. By the way, everything you said was just really good. Good. But I think I'm going to regret <laughs> letting them play basketball. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I burn more. It's like, 
like there were two before. basketballs out and there. Now there were eight, I, I said, no, let them play basketball. So for all of you listening to this podcast, I apologize. It was my fault. I said, let them continue to I was like, it's you the You can resort. edit that out, right? No, it's like, it's like there are kids. Just make it, make it. Just edit it to where Kent's rapping. <laughs> it, it's like there are kids, and and uh, now I have to ask you guys, and I appreciate everything you just said. That was really really good. The um, one of the things is our friend Mr. Rick Glenn is about to leave. I see him standing up. Oh, he's oh, stretching. Yeah. Well, he's got to go to Chattanooga. He's got to go to Chattanooga. <laughs> but a long friend of Zeke, a fellow pharmacist. But he had a question, and I, I find it interesting. I want to hear what you guys think about it. But what went into you guys actually selecting your mash bills? Um, so that was something that, that he was curious on. What actually went into how you selected your mash bills? And, and uh, you know, as, as you picked certain percentages, I know Billy has unique... Uh, mash bills. I, I know Stanton has unique mash bills. What actually went into Keener? I'm going to ask you because, uh, as well, no, like when it comes to you, because I'm cross eyed right now. No, because I know that Tatum didn't pick the mash bill. So oh, heavens no. So <laughs> let's, let's talk about <laughs> heavens no. Are we not, we're not still talking Irish. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, I think. No, I mean, I, w- I was going to go to you last, but I, I wanted to go to Stanton. Looks like first. I'm on my way out, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. For us at Postmodern, it was uh, to end up with the, uh, in general, just with the malted barley. It was uh, just kind of part of the process, looking at the end result, what we wanted to get, knowing um, that we had kind of made the decisions, that we weren't going to source things, that we needed whiskey out earlier. We kind of ended up on malted barley. The way we chose the actual uh, blend of those um, different uh, malts that we used um, was just trial and error. Um, We did micro distillations on a two liter still. We probably uh, distilled and did micro aging with over 125 mash bills um, in the course of about eight to 10 months. Uh, We were working with a two liter still um, and we had local brewers that were willing to pull off different mash samples and then were willing to do some small batch mashes. Um, when we started to hone in on the recipe we wanted, um, for the, the main whiskey that, that we do, um, it's actually really similar to a beer from a brewery called Crafty Bastard. It was their Hawaiian barbecue pale ale. Um, and we just started tweaking that mash bill that they had because it, it frankly turned out the best and that was what i mean we just worked through it that way we knew we wanted to go with malted barley because we just knew the fermentation um if we controlled um all of the things we could control going into fermentation um such as sanitation temperature control things like that we knew we could get a really clean uh ferment coming out really clean distillers beer coming out and really clean uh distillate coming off the still if we ran the still properly um and that would allow us to make use of the 15 gallon barrels Billy, what about you? What what went into your mash bills? Because you um, have a very unique mash bill. Yeah, I think, you know, I have a, a master distiller that I've been working with since uh, we started. And he uh, was originally um, a home brewer. And a lot of our um, mash 
um, came from the beer industry as well. So, um, you know, uh, we use a lot of barley and uh, the oat malt. I think that it, you know, these are known to brewers, and and that's that's where he came from, and uh, and so uh, they're familiar with with what what those flavors are. I know uh, a lot of the stuff we do. Also, uh, we're you know we're we're just trying to recreate things that already have been done heritage recipes. So a lot of the stuff we're doing is is just trying to source the best ingredients we can to make the best version of whatever it is that we're wanting to make. So um, it's not always like we make apple pie, right? And uh, uh, if we don't get the the apple juice right for our apple pie, it doesn't taste right. And just because you use apple juice from one guy doesn't mean it's going to taste the same with another. We actually changed our uh, uh, source once with our apple pie and one of our biggest fans was like i don't like it anymore and then you know we had to figure it out like what what (laughs) went wrong and you know it's uh things taste different so it's not always just using barley but who's barley and you know who's malts and it's it gets complicated we have a lab still and we, we we've used that we also have like a little 15 gallons still that we call r2d2 <laughs> and we we uh we've used that before and going back to what you were saying before the crazy thing for me is there's so much that actually goes into whiskey at the end of the day that i don't think people completely understand it's you know what type of corn are you using or using there's not only just a mash bill. So the mash bill is a number. Whatever that number is, it's arbitrary. But, you know, are you using red corn? Are you using yellow corn? Are you using white corn? How are you actually cooking your grains? Are you cooking your grains together? Are you cooking them separately and then putting them together in the fermenter? Where are your cuts? Are your cuts one of those things where you're running the still for a long period of time, so your cuts are really weekly? opposed to daily is it um you know do you have a column still versus a pot still what are the connections you have where's your doubler where there's so many variables and that's why i'm amazed when i sit with some of you all because it's like the funny thing is is i think a lot of people say and and one of the reasons why i say there's a rise of ndps People will go out and say, I want to do a distillery. And they'll realize, okay, I'm going to go to Vendome. I'm going to get a still. It's $400,000. And then they don't realize that the parts to that Vendome still, to make it work, then cost another $2.5 on top of the $400,000 for the Vendome still. So distilling is really frigging hard. And there's a lot of people... Which is why I find it interesting, especially Jason and Keener, for for both of you, you took a love for home distilling and turned that into an actual career and a job. But there's so much that is involved in that. It's crazy. I I think Billy was going to say something. You you put the mic up for a second. like you. I was tickling my beard with the mic, but I had the mic off. I, I like your style. That's not saying. It might be time to finish this. Uh, 
<laughs> Billy uh, the painter. But 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 Keener and Jason. I, Everybody redose. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna keep going and see where this goes. But no, but Keener and Jason, real quick. I mean, I I think. That's the thing that amazes me is all. It's not just your mash bill. There are so many factors that go. So do you dial it in, especially for you guys that you both of the. I, I think it's very interesting in the sense that both of you jo- were home distillers, joined your distillery after things were already kind of up and running at that distillery. So how much were you able to put your own spin on it? And how much was it like, hey, we do it this way, and this is the, the way that we were told to do it? I think we both walked in to nothing. Would, would I be correct? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> now, uh, man. It's not nothing. It's incorrect English. Okay. What, uh, we walked into a building. No, no I'm saying <laughs> he's firing Tatum up over here. <laughs> I think, fortunately for me, you know, coming in when I did was, they were like, they gave me free, they gave me free reign. It was pretty much just scaling up a lot of the things that I was doing at the fuel ethanol producer's level. <laughs> now, I mean, that's like, I, I know of some people in other states that they got, instead of, instead of a DSP, if you owned a farm. You could get a farm distiller's license, so it wasn't necessarily a DSP, but it was a, a like you have a, a license to distill alcohol for yeah whatever it is, and then that fuel. For, let's just leave it at fuel. Yeah, and my argument was going to be fuel for the soul. <laughs> I I swear, if you want to come out again, Tatum, I better get a cut of this. But if you made a fuel for the soul line of whiskey, I'm going to. I may be sued by Warren Haynes, but I'm going to call it Soul Shine. No, but I think just fuel for the soul, like you, you Soul Shine or Soul Fuel. Just do it real simple, like Soul Shine. It, anyway, sorry. <laughs> He's very set in his ways. Just, How do you work with him? Just acknowledge it. Just acknowledge it. Let's move on. I, I acknowledge it. But you were saying, you you came in and, and Tatum was kind of set in his oh, ways. Man, no, nobody was set there. Nobody. That's the thing. It was, it was, I came into a pretty dynamics. It, I don't know if dynamics is the right term, but it was pretty. They were like, damn, dude. Just, you're excited about it. Go, go do your thing. And. I'm the most, I'm the luckiest son of a bitch I know. I got to come in, scale everything that I was doing up, and I had all these resources. Tatum, an incredible resource, you know, I'm not blowing whatever I'm blowing up his skirt, but, you know, it's just, he was like, dude, I'm just here as a resource. I'm here in a supporting role. What do you need? To help us be successful. And Same thing like, with the ownership. And then, of course, like I said earlier, three, five weeks ago, you know. No, I mean, it's all, everybody knows it was all. Okay, good. it's all a ruse. But I have, you know, all these flavors available at the creamery. You know, they're using natural flavors for some stuff. The Candy Kitchen, the same thing. So I've got this cache of, you know, just exp- endless 
endless flavors that I was like, damn, I wonder what that tastes like as a liquor. So did so. you tell him you need cougar rupees to be <laughs> successful, or was that something that just came naturally? Man, shit, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I can't I don't help. need that to be successful, but, you know. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> it you were like, I can't, I can't help that God gave me this smile. <laughs> it, what are you hungry for? <laughs> Jason, what about you? Do you have cougar groupies in Old Tennessee? I don't think so. I think that's a but what about you? Product. I mean, did you have? <laughs> the question is, how did you come up with your mash bill? Isn't it? Yes. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good shit. It's good. No, I mean he said he he's allowed to to explore. <laughs> what are we talking about? The mash bill. Oh, mash bill. The mash bill. Okay. He he he. Is. I, can, I can also speak to that. Billy, it's not Billy, nearly as exciting. Billy, he answered the question. Oh, Don't yes. worry. Yeah. Let's kind of close this out. We've been going for a while, but what are the things that the the trail is looking forward? You know, what what are the things that that you guys think of? With the tr- with the trail that, that you have to be worried about, what are the things, Tatum, from the the guild point of view that you have to be worried about? So let's go to Kim first. Like, wh- where do things go moving forward? When it comes down to it, the trail was developed. It really wasn't developed for Old Forge, and it was it really wasn't developed for Old Tennessee, because they have this built-in tourism entity right there, right in front of them. It was built more for the Billies. And for the Stantons and things like that, they're off the beaten path that may not have people, a, a million people walk across their door fronts every day. It really is something so they can have a um, it's, it's a chance to really get ingrained into the craft and learn about it and have that opportunity to speak to these people. And um, and, and that's what we want to do. And, and we know in Tennessee, like we joked about with with Kentucky before, I mean, they have bourbon and sometimes they have basketball. <laughs> But in Tennessee, it doesn't matter what region you're in. When you're in West, you get the blues and you get Elvis and you get, you know, all the great music venues that they have out there. In in Middle they Tennessee, they haven't had football since Peyton Manning. So that's let's a, not talk about football. We're not talking about football. Did I say football? I said and basketball. They, and they haven't had basketball since Bruce Pearl was coach. Uh, so. We had basketball this year. Kind of. Yeah, we had basketball this year. <laughs> kind of. So. But you know, you hit Middle Tennessee, yeah. and you got country music, and you've so those got- folks over there are practicing because because Kentucky has eight championships, and they're looking. You know, if, if they want to play basketball, they're going to leave the state and go up and <laughs> play at uh, yeah. Kentucky. Okay. So again, in Middle Tennessee, you have country music, and you have Nashville, and and then when you get East Tennessee, what do you have? You have the the Smoky Mountains, the most visited national park in the United States of America, the beauty that's that no one can con- compare to. So there's so much more that brings people to Tennessee, but then now we've got these great distilleries that people can enjoy while they're here, and it just adds to the, you know, the fun and the memories that you can have, and that's what the Tennessee Whiskey Trail is for. That's awesome. Tatum, what are you guys thinking about with the Guild moving forward? What's the number one thing that you're happy about going into the rest of this year, and what's one thing that that y'all need to work on? 
You know, from a guild perspective, you know, the whole thing Billy talked about starting it, you know, there was 13 of us that sat in that room and the whole point at that time was to have a voice in the industry because at that time, the 13 of us and then Billy being, you know, number four, uh, six, so numbers four, five, and six, they didn't have a voice. They were told what to do. They were told more, and I'm sorry, not even told what to do. They weren't even told clearly what to do or how to run their business. And so I think the goal from the beginning has been able to, to be a voice in the industry, to stop being, uh, for us to, to, to have a voice in, in controlling our businesses and being able to run our businesses. And I think that's something over the past, you know, several years that we've been in existence, which is uh, five years in March is when we sat in that room and started the guild. And since then we've passed legislation every session that um, provides additional revenue revenue directly or provides revenue opportunities directly to every single member. Um, we've been on the defense on a couple of things where people tried taking money out of our pocket um, so I think that's something that I'm most proud of is that from the very beginning, we've had uh, a goal to speak with one voice and a goal to continue to make sure that we, we have opportunities for our members. Uh, and I think going forward, the thing I'm biggest, most worried about is, you know, you continue to worry about the guys that, that come in and shortcut the process and take away that market share from the, those of us that have put money on the line and, and, and time and energy on the line. And we want to continue to have that voice. And, and it's one of the reasons that we, we rib back and forth about Kentucky is, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, you know. And so we're going to continue to be that squeaky wheel both legislatively, uh, but, but we're really going to have a focus in the future here of, of making sure that we become more of a tourism and a bond for the communities, whether it's Woodbury or it's Knoxville, you know, um, wherever that's at, you know, we want to be that bond for that community. Our industry touches so much, so many other industries whether it's agriculture, you know, um, construction, tourism, hospitality, and all that. So um, it's, it's important, I think, for us uh, just to continue to also watch our back, but change our focus to tourism, hospitality, and make sure that not necessarily the Billy Kaufmans, you know, because he's, he's man, but, uh, but no, those, but in all seriousness, the, the, the distilleries that are in Woodbury's that, that have gone out and dropped that dollar there, that they get to continue to have that voice and that people end up coming to Cannon County and Woodbury and, and, and not just for Billy's pool parties either. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kim, where can the folks find the Tennessee Whiskey Trail? Let's let's. We talked about the individual distilleries and the other one. You know, hey, go find Old Forge. Go find Old Tennessee. Go find Short Mountain. Go find Postmodern. But where can everybody find the Tennessee Whiskey Trail? Well, we ha- there's a website tnwhiskeytrail.com you can go there you can find all the different distilleries a lot of good information they also um, all events that are going on within the Tennessee Whiskey Trail you can find all that information on there we have an app that you can download to travel through the state of Tennessee and mark off every time you get to a I checked in at Old Forge today excellent on the app exactly so and then we also have a paper passport for people that like to have that you know, to hold in their hands. And when you go to the distillery, you can get a, you can get a little um, stamp when you get there. Well, I would lose it. <laughs> I would lose it. But Me too. Go ahead and find the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. All of you that are here, thank you so much. We really, uh, we, I can't say enough. Thank you so much for the experience. Thank you so much for the time. Find Dad's Drinking Bourbon on Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dad's, Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Join our Facebook group. Find us on your favorite podcast app. Please leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews 
to all of the distilleries and spirits that we taste. I can't thank the guys enough. Uh, all of you, it's been a blast. Cheers. Find us in Nashville. Cheers. 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 Yeah. Yeah.